that explains a lot of things about me. Um, and as a kid growing up, there was a there was a guy that lived on the same street that I lived on, about three or four blocks away. His name was Larry Walters, and Larry was a guy that. Um, that in his childhood, he went into an army surplus store and he saw these um, weather balloons. And he thought, I should buy some of these weather balloons one day and fly. You know, he had, the, he had a dream of flying. And he actually, in his youth, when he was 18, he went into the Air Force. He joined the Air Force so he could be a pilot. But his eyes were so bad that they wouldn't accept him. So he just, you know, did some other job. But Larry did something kind of amazing. It won him uh, something sort of, of, of fame. And uh, on July 2nd, uh, 1982, Larry filled 42 weather balloons, and he attached them to a Sears lawn chair with some weighted gallon buckets. Do we have the picture there? There should be a Okay, this is what... And he, he got a BB gun there, and he got a, a few six-packs of beer and some sandwiches. And so he had this plan that he was going to float up like maybe like about a hundred feet and little by little kind of float up and he thought he could kind of make it through the California desert and get to the base of the Rocky Mountains in a couple of days so his plan was he had the long chair kind of waited and he went to his girlfriend's house in San Pedro they filled up the balloons they tied the the lawn chair to the bumper of a jeep uh, and so they they cut one of the tethers and there was so much helium that the, the other tether just broke and he shot up like a rocket and he went up a thousand feet per minute, and instead of gently gliding up, you know, you know, hundred feet, no, he went up to sixteen thousand feet, flying over LAX airspace. A TWA pilot sees him and he radios the tower. You're not going to believe this. There's a guy in a lounge chair. Floating at 16,000 feet. And they said, what the heck? So, then, you know, all the news reporters come out. So Larry's idea was he's, he was going to get the BB gun and shoot out the, you know, the, the balloons little by little. As he shot up, his glasses fell off so he could barely see. And then he's shooting the things. Then his, the gun falls, you know, you know, make matters worse. He loses his BB gun. Well, little by little, it, they did. He, be, he began his descent, and he lend, ended up in some uh, power lines in in Long Beach, California. He, he was uninjured. Uh, <laughs> and when when the news reporters came to him, they said, "Why did you do it?" He said, "Well, a man just can't sit around and do nothing." That was his response. Anyway. You know, there's something, I don't know as a kid if you ever dreamed about flying or going up, or but there's something in us that we want to go up. I, th- I think God has wired us to go up. And, and we're, we're designed to be in heaven. I believe that. And, and there's something that, you know, people climb mountains. They do these great feats. Uh, people compete um, physically and emotionally. And what what is it? I think I think God has made us to go up. God wants you up. God wants you above, not below. And in our verse for this month, Colossians three two, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Now I remember my dad having this saying. You know, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. 
But some, I think more people are more earthly-minded that they're of no heavenly good. Good morning. We live in, an, in this world, and there's physical things we have to deal with, and we have to make decisions, and, but this world can be very consuming. We need to live our lives with an eternal perspective. This is a very short time period here. We Christians should have a totally different perspective, a totally different attitude, a totally different mindset, a totally different philosophy. We need to think, act, react totally different from this world. We're meant to be up. We're meant to be up. And I'm going to read this other verse. I, I think this is becoming one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. It says, he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. It's basically saying, you know, we were dead. What happened? You know, Larry Walters, that was Lawn Chair Larry. Can we move? Oh, no, the verses aren't here yet. Not yet. This is just the introduction. Okay, it is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We are seated in the heavenly realms, not physically, but spiritually. We have a place. You have a place. You have an intercessor. You have the one that's called alongside of you to help, Jesus Christ, seated in the heavenly realms. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Get a little excited this morning. Something good is happening. God raised us up with Christ. You're not from below. You're from above. And we have a position of power. We have a position of access. There's authority up there. We are up. We are on high. We are seated in the heavenlies. Like I said, we're not physically seated there, but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is there, and he gives us that position we are up there, and I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your denomination is. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your IQ is. If you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are up. You are up. You're up in the heavenly realm. That's what the Scripture says. If someone disagree with it, get your Bible out. And here's the one thing that every person in the world needs to understand that God is in the highest place. God is up. He has all rule and authority. He is in the highest place. The Ephesians one twenty one says this, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, the name that is above every name. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. That's telling me that Jesus Christ has power and authority right now in your life, in my life, in this world, in the United States, in Canada, in Mexico, lindo y querido, in Sud America, and all over the world, Asia, Africa. God has authority. He is in the highest place. Psalm 135 says this, For I know the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Isaiah 6.1, the prophet said, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and his train, the train of his robe, filled the temple. In Exodus, 
after God delivered the children of Israel, it says, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic, holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? There is no one greater. There is no one wiser. There is no one stronger. He is far above all rule and authority. He is up. He's the top of the heap. He is at the top There is no comparison, no human being, no political authority, no angel, no demon, no person that ever stepped on this earth earth except our Lord Jesus Christ is above God. He is up, way up. He's on top of everything. And sometimes we feel like things are out of control. Let me tell you something. God is in control. It seems like everything's just out of, you know, I'm out of control. Thank God. Let him take the pilot seat and let him be in control because he is high. He has rule and authority and he has control over everything. 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 And as I was thinking of this word up and and lifting up, the, the scripture encourages us to lift the name of the Lord up. It encourages us to praise the Lord. Psalm 147, praise the Lord. Could you say it with me? Praise the Lord. Now put a smile on your face and say it. Praise the Lord. My mother-in-law left. Praise the Lord. Gasoline is cheaper in Mexico. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. Did you know that praise is actually a commandment of the Lord? No, you didn't. Well, yeah, it is, Ed. And some people think, no, what, why should we praise the Lord? How these people like these, praise the Lord this and praise the Lord that and hallelujah and praise Jesus. And what is all this praise the Lord and praise Jesus type of thing? You know, I mean, there's bad stuff happening. Why are they praising the Lord? And why are they, are they crazy or something? Why is it church ladies saying praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What's this praise the Lord thing? Does God have an ego problem? Does God say, is he on an ego trip? Or maybe, maybe he just needs to be recognized Doesn't he know who he is? Does God have an identity crisis? Am I still God? God doesn't have an identity crisis. You and I have an identity crisis. You and I do not know how great God is. We really don't. We don't believe it. Our actions prove I'm here in the first place. I don't believe in the, in the absolute greatness of God. There's things I worry, I fret. The truth is we don't know how great and wonderful God is. We don't recognize who we are as his sons and daughters. We have an identity crisis. And the reason God tells us to praise him is so that we would realize how great he is and the position that we have in him and that everything is going to be all right. He has rule and authority and power. He's sovereign. He's good. He's loving. Nothing will happen to us that hasn't passed through the throne room of God. All things are working together for good. Start praising him. Start thanking him. Praise is for our benefit. It's the God. You know, God is not an egotist. God is the most loving, kind, humble being in the entire universe. Look at Jesus. 
all rule, power, and authority, and be, he becomes a baby, born in a barn. Tell me God is some egomaniac. He's not. He knows who he is. He knows what he's done. He knows what's going on. He doesn't need our help. We need his. That's why we need to praise him. We begin to praise God for our benefit. We begin, when we praise him, we begin to realize, wait a minute. God is good. God is not going to leave me hanging on this thing. God is going to meet my need. I know this is a tough time, but God, you know, you're on the throne. And even though difficult things happen, you're still working. You know, and, and things happen, you know, I mean, you read the Bible, Moses, David, Daniel, I mean, everything was not honky-dory. Moses killed a man and ran away. Lived in the desert. Raised sheep for over 40 years. Great plan, right? Praise the Lord. David. King Saul wants to kill him. The Philistines want to kill him. He's running from cave to cave. And what does he say? Praise the Lord. Why? Because he's realizing God's authority. God gave him a promise. He was anointed king. Didn't seem like it. Seemed like he was a fugitive. And he writes all these psalms. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And in the midst of my trials, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise him. Praise him. And praise starts with thanksgiving. I love this verse in Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. There is always something to be thankful for. Are you with me? Okay, good. Uh, I remember several years ago, uh, I was 30 years old. Now I'm 31. I was unmarried, and I was going to Santiago, Chile, to a missionary training base. And a, a good friend of mine had been there for years. He, he Actually, I went thinking maybe God will get me a wife in Chile. That was my motivating cause to go to Chile. Anyway, I bought a one-way ticket. I get on this plane, and I go, and I, I end up in, first in Brazil, and I get to Chile. I get to the airport, and nobody's there waiting. So I'm there for like five hours. Finally, some Brazilian guy, Brasileiro, you know, with Portuguese, he's talking to me. I'm trying to use my Spanish. He's using Portuguese. Portuguese. Oh, see, okay, yeah, that's me. Take me, you know. So he takes me, we take this taxi, and we go out to this, I've never been to this place before, takes me to the missionary base. It's on this farm way in the middle of nowhere. There are no buses, dirt roads, no houses, no nothing. And he put, puts me there, and he says, here, you're the first one here, you're the American. And the school was starting in two days, and I got there. And they said to me, you're going to sleep here. Now, I had been awake for about 24 hours, and he took me to a sheep pen. And there was garbage on the floor. There were six bunk beds, and, and there were no windows. It was like, this place is nicer than it was. I'm not exaggerating. And the floor was kind of crumbly, and 
and it was just filthy. And I thought, what an idiot I am. I had just made the biggest mistake of my life. I bought a one-way ticket to Chile. I don't have any money to get back, and I'm going to be living six months in a sheep pen. And then there was something at that moment, and I, I know it was the Holy Spirit that said to me, think of something to be thankful for. So I, I went on the cot and laid down, and I said, you know what? This is comfortable. God, I thank you that I have a comfortable bed. I really did that. I said, as the time went on, it got a little bit you know, better, but the bathroom was 100 yards away. There was no washing machine. There was no transportation. We washed our clothes by hand. And then, uh, you know, we get together. And the food, I mean, the food was not, it just wasn't the greatest. You know, I'm a very good eater. I can eat almost anything. My mom taught me to eat anything. She said, clear your plate, clear your plate. There were only two things I didn't like as a kid, liver and fish sticks. Those were the only two things. I'd eat anything else but liver and fishy fish. I'd eat tuna fish, but fishy fish, I, I didn't really like fishy fish. What did they serve me at this wonderful missionary base? Two things, liver and fishy fish with the, you know, the little bones in and the fishy fish type of thing. Lord, I thank you that I have liver. Lord, I thank you that I have fish. I th- Lord, I thank you that I have food. Then we had these work duties. And this was a big, you know, I mean, I don't know how many acres, easily 50 acres of a farm. And they had one hand-held lawnmower to mow all their grass. And so they asked me to use the lawnmower, and the grass was about this high. And so I was using it, you know, a few days. You had to go, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Then another one of the students used it and broke it. And they said, well, um, Keith, can you help us cut the grass? I said, with what? And they had me, literally, a pair of hedge clippers. In my mind, I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. Th- this is dumb. Well, you, they need a riding mower. They don't. Then I thought, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to do it. So I got on this. I got these hedge clippers, and I got on my knees, and I started taking the hedge clippers. And, and literally, for hours, I was there with the, the hedge clippers, a couple, two or three days. I don't remember how long. But I remember doing something. As I was on my knees... With those hedge clippers, I was thanking God. I was interceding. I was being thankful for what I had. I said, Lord, thank you for the strength. God, I thank you that I'm in this school. Thank you that you're teaching me things here. I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that that you're giving me strength to do everything. I thank you for my friends that are here. I thank you that I'm the only American here. I thank you that you're working everything together for good. And as I was there, I used that time to praise the Lord. And instead of that six-month experience being the biggest downer of my life, that was the best six months of my single life. Sleeping on floors and sleeping in sheep pens and preaching the gospel. I wouldn't trade those six months of my life for anything. 
I learned so much about just serving and loving and giving and what a privilege it is to share the gospel and be with people and, and, and just have this opportunity to be in an international setting and, and walk and appreciate the transportation we have, just have health, just have a piece of bread that was good in the morning. I learned how to be thankful. It was a great experience. But if I would have said, what is wrong here? What, why am I here? Why don't you know it? But you know what? Praise starts with thanksgiving, and you have to look at your circumstances and begin to thank God for what you got. If you begin to count your blessings, you're going to realize it's not as bad as you think it is. Be thankful. Praise is powerful. Praise is powerful. It it's really is. There's a story in the Old Testament of King Jehoshaphat, and he was surrounded by three armies. That was, they were much bigger than the, the armies of Israel, and they just didn't know what to do. They called to fast. The people began to pray. Let me tell you, if you don't know what to do, and if you're in desperate straits, might be a good time to fast and pray. That deserved an amen, but you can just put that on it. Anyway. And it says this, after they did this, Second Chronicles 20, 21 and 22, it says, And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed them that they should sing unto Jehovah and give praise in holy array. And they went out before the army and, and say, Give thanks unto Jehovah, for his loving kindness endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord Jehovah set liars in wait against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and they that were come against Judah, and they were smitten. They never had to take out their swords. They didn't have to shoot the bows and arrows. They didn't have to scream against the enemy. All they had to do was lift up their hands and praise the Lord. Friend, if you're going through a trial... This is one of the best and most powerful weapons that you have. Praise God for his loving kindness is everlasting. Praise God because surely goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. I'm praising you, God, because you are sovereign and you know exactly what is happening to me, happening to me now. And you're using it in my life for good. Praise the Lord. Declare his glory among the nations. Give him thanks and praise his deeds. Let them be known among the people. I want to say this. Use your mouth. Thank you. Psalm 34.1. I will bless the Lord sometimes and his praise when I feel good about it will be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, this was written by David, King David, and it was written in a very specific time in his life. It was written when King Saul was about to kill him, and he was running away to another king, and that king was the king of Gath. He also probably wanted to kill him. And so what he did when he went toward this other country while he was fleeing Israel is he acted like he was crazy. He foamed at the mouth, let the spittle run on his beard, and he began to scribble on the walls. 
That's when he wrote this psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Maybe he was thinking about it while he was acting crazy. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. You know, it was just, I don't know, but that's what the psalm says. Use your mouth. Psalm 35, 28. My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises, all day long. How about this? I love this one. Psalm 8, 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. There is incredible power what comes out of here. This tongue, these lips have power. Tremendous power. How's it going? Bad. I feel bad. Everything hurts. I'm in a bad mood today. Car didn't start. Things are going bad. Did you read the news? It's bad. Bad, 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 bad. And, you know, and then other things come out of the mouth. Things are tough. Things are bad. There's power in the spoken word. Our words are powerful and creative. Healing comes from our mouth, from our words. Power comes from our mouth. Words will bring you, I believe this, words will bring you into the destiny that God has for you or they'll take you to the place that the enemy wants to bring you. Your words, my words, have power. Uh, we had an interesting, we had an interesting week this week. Uh, we had a team come here, and you know we had just some extra activities. We had vacation Bible school and lots of things kind of going on, and we had a, we have three new missionaries here, and this just means a lot of extra activity and a lot of extra work. And so uh, Maya took a team to do the VBS, and we were moving. That was right. We were moving four houses in one day, four different apartments were moving. So I'm helping people move, and then I get this call from my lovely wife. The car's stuck. It's overheated, and it doesn't start, and I'm stuck between here and uh, Punta de Mita, past La Cruz. You know, I had to run and get it. So I said, okay, I'll be there as soon as I can. So I drop off some furniture. I drive my car there. And so uh, the, she, thank God someone put her on the side of the road, and so she was. the car was safe. She was safe, and Daniela was there with her kids. I said, get in the car. You know, let's go. I'll get you there because she had to teach VBS. So I drive her to Punta de Mita, and we're about to take her to teach D. You know, VBS, I'm thinking, i got to get back and help move. And then I get stuck in the mud. Again. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know how you, you know, you've had those bad hair days, but I'm thinking, I, this is what I begin to think. We're preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. The radiator hose blew over there. I'm stuck in the mud. We're doing the right. Praise the Lord. God, God, you know what? We're, we're kicking somebody where it counts. I don't know if you believe in this stuff. I do. I certainly do. I've lived this. We're doing something right. We're pre if you're going to be preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, don't think everything's going to be honky-dory every single day. You will have opposition. To me, it's like we're doing the right thing. Praise the Lord. Now, how did confess here, my lovely wife? How did I do? She said I did good. Okay, thank you. She was the, she's my witness there. I didn't speak in you know some other unknown language at that point. 
know, you know, we're moving thing, going thing, running here. Then, but I thought, you know what? Praise God. Praise God. God is with us. Everything's going to be okay. And great things. Those kids receiving the gospel. Got this team helping at the other place. And God, I mean, praise the Lord. Praise God. Good things are happening. Good things. Use your mouth. Use your mouth. I, I quote scripture a lot. I try to start my morning and I read a devotional and I try to just quote the scripture that's in my heart and mind. One of my favorites is, is this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard my cry and he delivered me from all my fears. That's a great way to start the day. That's, that's breakfast. That's two eggs, pancakes, and hash browns with a good cup of coffee. I mean, that is like spiritual vitamins, right? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He renews your youth like the eagle. That's great. And as those words come out of my mouth, they go into my ears. This is, this is God's design on this. As it comes out of your mouth, it goes into your ears. Where does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. As you speak the word of God, like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, spoke in the presence of Satan when he was tempted. As you speak the word of God, the angels hear it, the demons hear it, you hear it, you're edified, you're fortified, you can go on, praise the Lord. Because as you praise the Lord, you realize you're up. You're not going to be under it. You're going to be on top of it. Are you with me this morning? you got to get on top of it because the devil wants you under it. Get on top of it because you're not just anybody. You're a somebody. You're a child of the king. I, that's what my Bible says. And I'm not saying it to be like all egotistical, I'm better than you. No. What a great privilege it is to be a son or daughter of the most high God. And we didn't earn it. We didn't buy it. Jesus bought it for us. And we're in this position that we can be up. I will bless the Lord. Use your mouth. It tells children and infants to do it. I've seen children praise the Lord publicly. And people get saved, transformed. We've gone to prisons with kids four years old, raising their hands and praising the name of God. And people are broken. Why? Because praise is powerful. From the mouth of infants and babes, he has prepared praise. If you don't praise him, as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, the people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And all the religious people saying, shut up, shut up. And Jesus said, if, if they don't praise, the rocks are going to cry out. You and I have a job. Praise the Lord. People need to hear you praise. It's not only just so it comes out of your mouth and comes back into your ears. Hopefully there's something in here between your ears, people. Good morning. As you praise, as you say, you know, God is good. Don't worry about it. God has control. 
there's times I'm just sitting with my wife and I'm, I'm worried. Well, what's going to happen? And what's going to, she says, don't worry about it. God has control. You're right. Why are you so upset? Calm down. You're right. Praise the Lord. And not only you speak it, you hear it. Your spouse hears it. She speaks it. Your friends hear it. They speak it. As you start speaking, it says, praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Now, so I, I understand that people come from all different I, backgrounds, denominationally. I was raised in a creed church where you were quiet. And you had to be quiet. And remain quiet. And just listen. And I'm not against that. But as I read the scripture and I read the Psalms, it says, shout unto the Lord, all ye people. Is, is that in your Bible too? Or is it just in mine? Because I don't want the new perverse version. I'm kind of... New American Sand. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hosanna. You know, you know what the word hallelujah means? Do you know what it means? It means scandalous praise. That's, that's what it means. They were dancing and they were jumping and they were... Now he said, well, you know, that seems kind of out of control. And Have you ever... How many are sports fans here? Just be honest. How many like baseball... Soccer, hockey, nothing, ping pong, tiddlywinks, crossword puzzles. Okay. Now, I've said women's soccer. That's a little risque, brother. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, just stop right there. Okay. The Olympic Games, figure skate, I don't know. The marathon, I don't know what... But have you ever been at a sporting event and you just get up out of your seat? Yes, oh man! I remember one time. I was, I was, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, went to Dodger Stadium, and, and the Dodgers were losing. It's bottom of the ninth inning, one man on base, and Mike Sosha gets up and hits a home run. Now, let me tell you, I didn't look at the guy next to me and say, wasn't that nice? That was a really nice home run. Wasn't that, that was cool, huh? Did you see the hat, great Gretzky hat trick? Oh, that was great. Oh, wonderful. Wasn't that good? Awesome, and they're, you know, getting a little bit a little bit excited. It's okay. You won't lose your salvation. People get excited about money. People get excited about sports. People get excited about cars. People get excited about a boyfriend or girlfriend. People get excited about, can we get a little bit excited that there's a great king that loves us, that's with us, that would actually die for us, that cares about us, that's with us, he won't leave us, he won't, can we get just a little bit happy about that? Praise him. And as you, as it comes out of your mouth, and I, I'm not saying to be a Bible bumper, you know, like, you know, thumping people on the head. Yeah, the scripture says that you got to praise the Lord, you know. Uh, but there's something that comes out of my mouth. Just saying things like, God is in control. God's not surprised about this. God knows what's happening at the border with the van being stuck there. 
It's in his hands. I could do nothing about it. God is in control of my financial situation. My house won't sell. Well, it's in God's hands. He knows what he's doing. He's promised to meet my needs. And as you say those things, because in this life, a lot of things are out of our control. But they're not out of God's control. And if God is for you, who can be against you? I mean, you, you, got, you got somebody on your side. You got somebody that's working behind the scenes, amazingly behind the scenes. And as you speak that, you speak it, you hear it. We speak it as a congregation. We hear it. We get edified. And we begin to realize, you know what? God is good. God is with me. He is a very present help in time of trouble. That's why it's so good to praise. How often should we praise God? (laughs) From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Do you ever wake up just kind of singing, making melody in your heart? From the rising of the sun to the going down, the Lord's name should be praised. Would you, would you stand on your feet with me this morning? I, there was another psalm. I'm not saying to be unreal and just, you know, put a smile on your face and happy, 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 you know. I'm, I'm not just, I know there are real trials and real burdens and real hurts. It, it's true. I know there are. But Psalm 68, 19 says this, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. God, God wants to take your burden. He, wa- he wants to take the yoke. He wants to take the worry. He, he wants to take the fear. He wants to take the anxiety. He wants to take... The the scripture says, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. I I was thinking this week, you know, as as I sometimes I get negative and I worry. You know, actually worry is, is sinful. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough worries of its own. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When we just get focused in on the worry and the cares, you, you get so focused in it, you just, you, you've cut your power supply. You, you, you've cl- shut down your circuit breakers. You, you, there's power. There, there's power. And as you praise the Lord, my wife shared this scripture with me yesterday in Psalm 50, 23. It says, he who offers a sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way right, I will show the salvation of our God. Would you just pray with me this morning? Father, your word says that that you are enthroned on the praises of your people. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. It is pleasant and comely to praise you. 
that's becoming to praise you. It's a good thing. And then the scripture says, we bring a, a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Your scripture says and in Romans that I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? By speaking the word of God, by hearing the word of God, by believing the word of God.